What's up, everybody? This is TJ from Just Plain Filthy, and back in 2014, I created a nice little platform where everybody can find their potential new favorite independent wrestlers, a place where they can find out what events are coming to their neck of the woods and a place where they can find amazing clips of various independent wrestling matches. Since 2014, we have been on Twitter. We have been on Instagram. We have been on Facebook. But now we bring this all to you in podcast form. We break down events. We let you know what cards are coming up. And we even get into discussions on the hot topics of wrestling as a whole. So please, sit down and enjoy. This is The Indie Movement. Okay, 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 okay. I might sound like a broken record if you follow us on social media or you listen to the Just Plain Filthy podcast, but I will say it once again because it's only going to get better and I need to really harp on this to really sell the rest of the show. Independent wrestling has never been better. Closest thing is like 15 years ago when you were getting like CM Punk versus Chris Hero and shit like that. That's the closest you will get to right now. That was the heydays. Right now is the new generation. Shit is fucking bananas. Let me tell you. I've been seeing all these events pop up here and there on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. These pictures announcing these badass matches from all over the world. People from back in the day. People who recently got released by WWE. The new indie homegrown talent that have excelled in their career and became superstars seemingly overnight putting on matches of their fucking lifetime. And I'm seeing these matches and I'm like, I cannot wait for this event. I can't wait for this event. Homie, I am going to go broke as a motherfucker with all this wrestling. I'm already kind of in the red. But this... This is dangerous, let me tell you. This is fucking dangerous. I was looking at events months ago, and I stumbled across the Wrestling Revolver coming back into the swing of things after the pandemic, and they announced a bunch of matches. It was like one every two days. And every single match, I was looking at this, and I was like, damn, that's going to be a good match. Next day, fuck. I think that might be better. Oh, no, they really topped themselves now. Really? They're giving us this? Oh, man. I can't believe I've never thought to book that before. And as the time ticked down, there was a lot of changes. There was a lot of changes. There was a lot of people who went out on injury and things had to adapt and things had to change and new matches had to be made. And then the card happened. Last week... The event happened. I watched the whole thing with bated breath. I sat here on the couch with my beer, with some other drinks, some food. My wife beside me. We are like, let's fucking go. And it was great. It was really, really good. I know I said that there was a lot of other great shows that were happening that are coming up. Or that happened. I want to get to those later. But right now, I want to talk about the Wrestling Revolver's tales from the ring i think there was like eight matches nine matches 
Overall, it felt like an eternity watching it, but every match was entertaining, and every match just kept my attention from start to finish. So I have, I have no quarrels about it. I have no problems with it. It was just like me being in the zone for like three and a half hours loving my life, which is all you can really ask with professional wrestling. Now, before I dive into this, let me just run down the card for you. Because the card itself was weird, but still very fucking cool. We had Danhausen versus Everett Connors, which was a solid match, you know? Nothing too crazy. It was pretty good. I mean, let me tell you, this is not in order. This is just the way that they broke down the card on a picture. Danhausen versus Everett Connors. Then we had a scramble. Let me see if I can remember who was on the scramble. Because that that lineup was also really fucking weird. Uh, Madman Fulton. Warhorse. Crash Jackson. Ninja Mac. Sam Beal. There was somebody else. Fuck. Um, doesn't matter. And then Caleb Conley showed up last minute. And was like, yeah, I'm a part of this too. And I, I'm okay with that. I love Caleb Conley. Um, then we had Matthew Rewalt, the Drama King, versus Anthony Green, one of my favorites from the Northeast. That was a solid wrestling match. Nothing too insane, but like everything was clean. Everybody did their job fucking great. I'm down with that. Um, Havoc versus Charlie Evans versus Billy Starks. Solid, solid women's match. I wasn't too aware of Pro Wrestling Revolver years ago, so I don't know if they've always had a pretty solid women's division or intergender stuff or whatever. But that match was very, very good. Um, the Wolves, the American Wolves, they reunited and they faced off against the team of Infrared. Uh, that was a really good tag match. I forgot how much I missed the American Wolves until I saw that match and I was like yo give me more um Alex Zane versus Ace Austin was a great great match um Alex Colon versus Jake Crist probably my favorite match of the show um four-way ladder match it was the man scout Jake Manning versus JT Dunn versus Rich Swan versus Trey Miguel for the Wrestling Revolver World Championship. And then you ended the night with the feud that has lasted like 12 years, maybe more. John Moxley versus Jimmy Jacobs. So yeah, that whole event was just fucking bonkers. Uh, I'm not going to dive into every match, but the things that I have to say, I'm going to have, I have like three maybe four matches that i want to talk about um first off the opening match was ace austin versus alex zane and if you've never seen how well-rounded of athletes austin and zane are this is the match that i urge you to watch they got the high flying down they had the innovative move set the selling, the outside brawling, the manager work, everything. They played heel and face very well. Um, one hell of an opening contest. Uh, now, 
due to one hell of an ending, the manager distracting Zayn on the top, pulling him down, hurting his back, flipping him over with the fold, and pinning him in the middle of the ring, your new and first Wrestling Revolver Remix Champion, the inevitable Ace Austin. I love, 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 love seeing good things happen to great, talented people. Especially after, like, so much bullshit and bad things happening to them. Just to see that little glimmer of hope and that things are looking back up for them. It just feels very good to witness, even from a fan standpoint. I know it feels so much better being the talent, being like, you know what? There, There is a silver lining to this, as bad as things are. But, like, watching it, I'm just like, hell yeah, dude. Reclaim your throne. Make people know that you fucking run this shit. Ace Austin will always be a real one, and I will always be a fan. Just that match was such a good way to open the show. Um, the next match, also two incredibly talented people, but there was no silver lining. There couldn't have been. There was no title on the line. I Maybe bragging rights, but all it was was just violence and pain. Um, possibly my favorite match of the night, though, overall, because they did hardcore right. They really did. Uh, Alex Colon and Jake Christ. They took some real Big Japan type shit. Some Freedoms type shit. They got like barbed wire. They got chairs. I think there was thumbtacks if I remember correctly. Gonna have to watch it again. Um, and they even did some homage to old school Japanese wrestling and Jun Kasai type shit. Um, the match was cool. Uh, I love Alex Colon so much because he's one of the few guys that are going right now who incorporates actual wrestling with his deathmatch antics. Like body slams, using a chair, and then a couple wrestling moves later, and good selling, and then he brings in more weapons. Instead of just the new crop of people that just hit him with doors wrap him in barbed wire, throw him out of the ring, light tube, light tube, light tube. There, There's like a method to his madness, and I appreciate that. Um, but in this match, Jake Crist put on a hell of a show. I forgot how good he was because I honestly haven't watched much of him since he left Impact with like all those problems that happened, and he was just like, nah, I'm out of here. I'm distancing myself from these other fucks. Uh, so I was watching him and I was like, damn, I forgot just how good Jake Crist really is. He sold well, he put in work, he, he made a mess of Alex Colon. His back, his face, everything. Um, but Alex Colon brought out a knife board. You heard me. <laughs> A fucking knife board. It was like styrofoam or some sort of plastic or cardboard. I couldn't tell what the material was. But I think there was like eight like steak knives just stuck in that material. Blades facing upwards, each about two inches away from each other. It looked 
very grim. It was like shades of that time on the Vice Network when they were doing The Wrestlers. And they talked about de Japanese deathmatch. And Jun Kasai is just in his house with his wife and kid just making a knife board. This was like that knife board. I was like, holy shit, they pulled a Jun Kasai. And uh, of course, the natural rule of, of uh, wrestling, you take it out. You take the bump. And Alex Colon dropped on that thing, shredding up his back, blood everywhere. Holy fuck. Jake Chris got a little bit more offense in there, but it ended the night, the match with Alex Colon going off the top with a Spanish fly through an X of light tube bundles. Big ass explosion. One, two, three. Beautiful match. A little excessive at times, but very... Very well done. <coughs> ah, fuck. That was a lot of talking. I need some fucking water, dude. And it is time for the second to last match of the night. It was a four-way match. It was a ladder match. It was for the Wrestling Revolver title. One of these four men is going to be the face of Wrestling Revolver until who knows when. But... Already, the lineup, as I said earlier, was insane. Trey Miguel versus Rich Swan versus JT Dunn versus the Man Scout, Jake Manning. And in this match, holy shit, did JT Dunn play the heel role of a lifetime. Spoiling moments, sick shots, so many close calls on whether or not he was going to grab the belt or not. Which was great, because everybody else was a pure babyface. Everybody's cheering for him, and JT Dunn could have just walked in that ring and just smiled and got booed out of the place. Having Phil with him ringside just helped out so much. And he even got interjected at sometimes. He came in and was like, I want to poke my nose around that and fuck you over. And then everyone's just like, get the fuck out of here, Phil. Uh, it was a great, great match. Um, damn. Man Scout was very promising throughout it until he got kind of beaten down. Uh, then he had to walk off. It looked like he was possibly injured. I don't know if that was legit or not. Not my place to fucking wonder. I didn't really give a crap. Uh, Rich Swan, great. Rich Swan is always great. And Trey Miguel did some beautiful things ringside on the apron, some high flying spots. Trey Miguel will probably be one of my favorite uh, high flyer working people on the independence today. This wasn't the, the match that he needed. I feel like if he would have had like a one-on-one -on -one ladder match, this would have been all Trey Miguel. But you got to keep your head on a swivel. You got Man Scout. You got Swan. You got JT Dunn there besides Trey Miguel. So it's a very busy matchup. Um... After a whole bunch of shit, whole bunch of things, Man Scout came back. He brought the wrestling tent. He didn't get to use it too much. He threw it at JT Dunn, who was at the top of the ladder. JT Dunn fell to the ground. Later on, Jake got thrown through the tent. And we never saw him again. Some brawling, some brawling, some brawling, a whole bunch of brawling. Rich Swan makes it up to the ladder, to the top of the ladder, 
Hand on the title. He's pulling it down. It looks like he's got this. It looks like he's got this. The rope tied itself around the end of the title. He's just awkwardly up there. Trying to pull it down. Struggling. Everybody on the ground around him. JT Dunn, knowing full well he's going to win. But just goes, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to just be an even bigger prick. So he climbs up the ladder and he starts trying to throw some shots. Like, I'm going to take this title from you. You haven't got it down yet. Technicalities. Jake Chris comes out, just gets rid of Jake, uh, JT Dunn. Grabs a knife from his pocket, hands it to Rich Swan. Of course Jake Chris would have a fucking knife on him at all times. What kind of man do you think he is? Rich Swan attempts to cut it down. Phil and JT Dunn come back in. Again, we get rid of them, hand him a new knife because the box cutter that they handed earlier, then the blade came out. Still, the title is still hanging up there. They take down the title after a long, awkward pause. And JT Dunn interjects one final time. Attacking Rich Swan. And then Infrared come out and they lay out Rich Swan too. And just as you think there's a glimmer of hope, because Larry D comes out and you're like, oh shit, Rich Swan and Larry D gonna even the playing fields. Larry D is like three dudes. So that, I mean, technically Rich Swan would have a numbers advantage. Nah, son. Larry D takes out Rich Swan too. And a weird turn of events, they all bow to JT Dunn, your wrestling savior. I don't like that. I don't like how Larry D, the legend Larry D, the fucking guy who could put out anybody on that card, is bowing to JT Dunn. Makes no sense. But I'm excited to see how it goes in the future. Which brings us to the last match. I've been talking for a while. Hopefully I have not bored you, but this match was a great way to end the whole show. Just as the beginning match was a great way to start the show, this was a great way to close it. Very solid event. Uh, last match of the night was John Moxley versus Jimmy Jacobs. A feud that's, oh my God, it's been in IPW. It's been in CZW, I believe. IWA Mid-South. Evolve. Dragon Gate. The shots online, I think. And now it carried all the way to the Wrestling Revolver. Uh, this match has history. This match had a story to it. We almost didn't get this match if Sammy Callahan didn't break his leg. We would have had Sammy Callahan and John Moxley versus the American Wolves, which was the selling point for me originally. I was all about it. I was fucking stoked. Then the whole injury happened, and they changed it to this, and I was like, you know what? I'm not mad. Because I know that there's history. I know they're going to sell that history. I know this is going to be a great match. Uh, the match started with some brawling, as most of these hardcore matches types do. Um, a lot of punches to the face, a lot of knees and elbow strikes and stuff. Uh, but wasting no time, John Moxley reaches in his pocket, which I don't know how you fucking wrestle with this in your pocket, but he pulls out a golden fork. And just starts Abdullah the Butchering the shit out of Jimmy Jacobs. Like a solid scrape across the forehead and digging in there. And then like 20 seconds later just bop, 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 
fucking ten stabs to the forehead with this thing. And busts Jimmy Jacobs clear open. There's a lot of blood. And later on, he wiped the blood from his face. And that's not what you do, Jimmy Jacobs. Jerry Lynn's going to be very disappointed in you. But uh, once he was busted open, it, it took no time at all for Jimmy Jacobs to be like, I, this the game you want to play? Hits him with a couple shots and then reaches in his boot to take out the iconic, the fucking object among objects in Jimmy, Jimmy Jacobs' arsenal. That railroad spike, that like eight inch nail. And there are some gruesome shots, dude, let me tell you. There's a couple spots where I was like, oh shit, oh no. Because it literally looked like he impaled his skull with this thing. I don't know how you you take that without just being hit in the face with a sharp nail. I have no idea. It was cringy, but it worked. Everybody sold beautifully. The visual was great. He even hit the ropes and ran at him with like a running screw dive right into the face. Um, there was about two minutes left of the match and the barbed wire board was brought out. And as I said earlier, you take it out, you take the bump. And Jimmy Jacobs went through that barbed wire board and then dragged to the middle of that ring. The barbed wire still connected to him. The board still dragging along beside him. And a double arm DDT ends the night. Jimmy Jacobs lays in the middle of your ring. And John Moxley stands over him. The winner of this match. And possibly the winner of the whole feud. What a great fucking match. Wrestling Revolver overall this event. Uh... Maybe like a 7.5 out of 10. A solid B+. This, is, this was a great, great event. I'm definitely going to look out for more shows from you guys in the coming months, years. However you guys run your events. Fucking dope. And now I need a drinky poo. Uh, so, as the year is coming to an end, there's going to be more... And more and more matches and events and just specials that I'm watching. Because we might have said it on another podcast or another episode of Just Plain Filthy's podcast. But this is the year where we bring back the Indie Movement Top 50. And for those who don't know, the Indie Movement Top 50 is similar to the PWI 500. But instead of 500... We have the top 50. We have men and we have women. We have a looking at match quality, who they beat, how good was their year, how important were their victories, their win-loss records, and the stories that they told with all of that. There's a lot of criteria. There's a lot of research and watching and just dissecting events. I think we have five or six people we are definitely including in there because already they've had a year among years. We didn't get to do it last year because there was really only like three promotions that were running last year. Uh, this year, United States Indies are back up and running for the most part. A lot of uh, promotions out in Japan, some in Canada, some in the UK, some in Australia, 
So it's a lot more well-rounded. We are looking at men, women, just everybody, putting them all together, showing you who we think the best of the best is as far as indie wrestling goes. And that's going to be really fun for me because it's been making me need to watch these events I normally wouldn't have time for, but I have to make time for to make sure all these events are good and make sure all the people that I'm listing are listed accordingly. Which leads me in to how we are ending the show tonight, because there are a couple events that are coming up, which I am very excited for and could definitely tip the scales on who is ranked what. Uh, first off, let me just pull these up. I did not have it planned. I suck. Um, almost there. And we fucking got it. There we go. Saturday, November 13th, Limitless Wrestling presents Prized Possession. I feel like there's a little bit of a hint for things to come, but um, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Uh, this event is going to be Saturday, November 13th, and it they don't have every match announced yet, but the matches that they have, holy shit. This could definitely alter the situation of the uh, Indie Top 50, let me tell you. Uh, they got a couple people on here who are already listed. And they could flip-flop. They could flip-flop. Uh, so, right off, right now, we have Challenge Accepted. Becca faces the one, Brad Cashew. The very smart, smart man, Brad Cashew. I am excited for this match because I recently just got into Becca. I heard the name for a while, and I was like, I don't know who this is, and I don't have time to watch. But then I started watching, and I was like, damn, Becca can go. And now I'm a fan. I'm not ashamed to say I'm a fan. Uh, and Brad Cashew, also new to him. Uh, but what I've seen at Limitless and at Beyond and all these other promotions in the area, uh, Brad Cashew is no nobody to fucking overlook either. Brad Cashew is really good, and in maybe like a year or two, it's going to be one of those new faces that you see literally everywhere, like GCW in Los Angeles and AAW in Chicago area and all that stuff. You're going to see Brad Cashew everywhere. So this is like the two people who are going to be the future of the business within a year or two facing off, and we're going to see who the real future is. Uh, the second one, oh boy, JT Dunn, speak of that asshole himself. Uh, JT Dunn facing Anthony Henry, the recently released from WWE Anthony Henry. And since he left, he has been proving to the world that he's he's got it and that they fucked up. Because he had matches alongside JD Drake and they tore the house down. He had matches against Minoru Suzuki, of all people. And they tore the house down. So JT Dunn, who doesn't have a bad match with anybody, facing Anthony Henry. Come on. That's going to be sick. Um, grudge match. Big Beef versus Charles Mason. I'm a big fan of Big Beef, but I fucking hate Charles Mason. Even though I know that's just the gimmick. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. 
Charles Mason, very, very good at what he does. Very violent man, but very talented man nonetheless. So having big beef, like the, all that energy and that size and that intensity going against the very cunning mindset and violent nature of Charles Mason, that's going to be one hell of a match. But the match that's going to tip the scales on the top 50 out of, I think there's like 10 people that are definitely on the list. And I just have their name there. And I have an idea of where they might end up. But this is going to definitely let me know if I'm changing that shit around. Because Anthony Green, Limitless Wrestling World Champion, goes one-on-one -on -one against the prize, Alec Price. And this is where I think y'all just gave some shit away, is what I think. Prized possession prized possession i think the prize is going to get his possession his prized possession because my boy alec price ain't going down without a fight and i believe anthony green can't bring that fight to alec price the dude has been on a roll this year intense as a motherfucker Fans either hate him or they love him, but either way, he gets a reaction. His matches are never dull. He is the future of professional wrestling, the, profe the future of limitless pro wrestling. So your champion walking out that night, I'm thinking, is Alec Price. But that's just me. And the last event that I want to talk about is from our boys, AAW, over in Marionette Park, Illinois. They've been supporting the indie movement for years now. So it's only right that we support them on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and here on the podcast. They have the Windy City Classic coming up November 26 black friday so make sure that you go out and you buy your shit and then you go to this event with all your shit at home so you have no more distractions and you can go and you can see this event because they still got some front row tickets they still got some second row tickets they still got some general admission so get them before they go because you do not want to miss this at all contenders match with Charlie Evans versus Christy James versus Lady Frost versus Sierra. I'm a huge fan of Charlie Evans and I'm a huge fan of Christy James. So my eyes are going to be firmly planted on that match. And then you got the Bourbon City, uh, Bourbon Street Fight. Yeah, Bourbon Street. Okay, I get it. I'm dumb. Bourbon Street Fight. Ace Austin and Myron Reed versus Hakeem Zane. And Karam, the hustle and the muscle. Uh, that's going to be good. High flying for three of them and powerhouse for the other. I, just, I feel like Karam is just going to start throwing motherfuckers Shane Mercer style. That's going to be insane. And then we got Allison K versus Sky Blue for the AAW Women's Championship. And Fred Yehai versus Matt Bitches. For the AAW Heavyweight Championship. Like, tell me any of those matches are bad. Because you can't, you would be lying. That match, that vent, from start to finish, is going to fucking slap. 
And it can only get better from there, honestly, because there's a handful of talent that they announced, but they don't have a match yet. So who knows what could happen? They're, they got Alex Zane coming in. They got Josh Alexander coming in. They got Silas Young, Rich Swan, Ren, and Russ Jones. It can only get better, honestly. So check out Limitless. Check out AAW. Indie wrestling is booming, as I said earlier. Definitely check us out. We are on TikTok at The Indie Movement. We are on Instagram at The Indie Movement. We are on Twitter at Indie Movement underscore. Uh, definitely check out our boys, The Uncut Wrestling Podcast. Next week, they got the one, the only, Paul London dropping in to talk about his career and things he's got coming up. And definitely check out Just Plain Filthy Podcast in the same place you're checking out this podcast every other Friday. So thank you for listening and have a great night.